The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Media. And our guest today is Sean Spence. Sean spent his career as an entrepreneur and a political campaign professional, and he started and run two successful businesses. And one day, he got the brilliant idea to track down the 60 most interesting people in business. And today, he's here to talk to us about that quest and to share with us what he's learned from it. Welcome to the show today, Sean. Hey, thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited to be here. So this quest to meet the 60 most interesting people in business, you know, what inspires that project? You know, I, I read a lot of business books, and I read a lot of Fortune Magazine and Fast Company and Smart Business and all those things. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about this. You know, honestly, one day I was just killing time, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun? I'll just sit here and make my list of the most interesting people in business to me, right? So I created that list, and then it was sitting there on the table. And I'm not really somebody who likes to let things just sit on the table. I thought, well, if I got the list, I should do something with it. And that quickly evolved into, well, I should meet them all, and then I'll write a book about the whole experience, and on we go. And there's, that, that's pretty much the story. Okay. Well, there's a lot more to the story than that. First of all, 60 most interesting people in business. I'm sure that would vary from person to person. What was your criteria, though, for who made the list? Well, you know, really, it started with just kind of a feeling. But then I really did have to start to think more about what that meant to me. And in some cases, uh, and in fact, in most cases, it meant somebody who had really created something that didn't exist before, who had done something differently and better and in some unique, exciting way that we hadn't seen before. And so that was really kind of the underlying criteria. And so what we ended up with was, you know, people people like Oprah Winfrey or Richard mm-hmm. Branson or people like that who've really made an impact and changed the world in some way. That was really my goal. And you came up with City right off the bat, or did you have a lot more than that and then have to trim it down? Well, you know, actually, I didn't. I really started trying to make a hundred. So we might decide that I don't have much of imagination or, or recall or whatever. Uh, and certainly, I've thought about the people since I made the list who I probably would add to the list. But I started trying to do a hundred, and then I just thought, you know, six, I ended up at about fifty-five, and then said, you know, I need to round this up. I need a good round number. So I found five more, and and I really stretched it. And I think a lot of that, again, is about people who are alive, who are revolutionary in some way, whose work in the business world has changed the world in a way that impacts all of us in some way or another. And that number is a little bit smaller than I think a lot lot of people might Mm -hmm. imagine. Sure. Yeah, and so 
what did you uh, do to start contacting these people? I mean, here you are in Columbia, Missouri, and yes. you want to talk to Richard Branson. And what, I mean, who do you, how do you start with that? What did you do to start reaching these people? Well, you know, honestly, the, my philosophy in life has always been that you, if you want something, you ask for it and you reach out to them. And in this case, just think about it. any other, if, if you were creating a list of people you wanted to reach in your town, you know, you would create the list, and then you would get on Google or Yahoo or Bing or wherever, and you would start looking up their addresses, and that's pretty much what I did. I just started finding mm-hmm. their addresses, and then I wrote a letter to them, and on we went. So just regular old snail mail. You didn't try to call up their PR department. You didn't try to send them an email. You sent a formal letter via the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, and I did that pretty purposefully because, um, you know, honestly, uh, how many personal letters have you received this week, Kelly? Seriously. True. Zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So very more and more, the power of, in that way, the power of mail is increasing because if you can create something that is truly personalized and looks like it came from a real person, I haven't gotten a letter like that in probably two weeks. And probably here in the next week or two, I'll get a letter from my grandmother, and then that'll be the last one I get for a while. So I did that because of the impact, right? Speaking of this impact, then what do you, uh, what kind of a response did you get? Are are you getting? Because I know this is a fairly recent project. I think I already did it in right. July. Is that right? That's yeah, right. So, so what that's kind right. of a response are you getting? Well, you know, that's pretty interesting and pretty fun. I mean, to me, it's the journey and it's the whole process that is fun to me. I really didn't expect to hear from anybody on the first letter. And I'm just sending the second letter uh, this weekend. And then, you know, they'll go about every month or so. But I really didn't expect to hear from anybody except for some polite no's, which I did mm-hmm. get many, many polite no's. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I also immediately got, you know, pretty immediately got two responses. I've already had two of these meetings. One was over the phone. One was in person. And it's it's actually happening. And so I believe that mm-hmm. what we'll see is with the second letter, uh, or maybe the third, um, I think we'll be able to see me add another two or three or four to the list. And as people start to mm-hmm. see that I'm serious, and that I'm and people are actually meeting with me, and that it's going well, and people are happy that, that they've met with me, I believe that we'll start to see a snowball effect. You know, it reminds me, I, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Laura Liswood, who made it, it was a shower moment, and she thought, what would it take for the U.S. to have the first, you know, its first female president? And she made it her quest then to go around the world and interview all of the women who were sitting world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, wow. what you know, what have you. And she said the first person, and this has been many years ago that she did this, the, the first person that she called was Margaret Thatcher or, got, or contacted. And wow. the response came back from Margaret Thatcher's office that she would not participate, but if she got, there were 14 at the time, but, but if, if she would not participate, until the other 13 been interviewed and com- committed and interviewed, and then she was 14th. And so right. Laura got Laura got the other 13 sitting female world leaders at the time and came back to Margaret Thatcher and said, I got him, it's your turn, and, and Margaret Thatcher gave her the interview. So you might have to. Yeah, and that is, I think, what we're, what we're going to see. Um, and I've started to get, you know, some very nice responses from people. I'm, I'm, I have corresponded 
several times with Ariana Huffington, and I think she'll be one of the next to fall. She's one of the people that I've met. Uh, the, the person that I actually met with is a guy named Keith Ferrazzi, who many of your listeners will know because he's written the best-selling business networking book of all times, and he's a very successful business guy, and he's friends with Ariana. So I think that that's going to, as I as we meet the people who know the people, I think those connections right. are going to start helping helping me loosen the mm-hmm. the uh, dam, so to speak. Yeah, so what do you talk about when you meet him? You mentioned that you've met Michael Gerber. Um, what do you talk about whenever you, you talk to these people? Yeah, well, with Michael, I really, really prepared for the call, and I made a list of far more questions than I he, – he gave me a 55-0-minute um, interview on the phone. With, and also mm-hmm. with his assistant, who since I have met his assistant, I've interacted with his assistant. I now have an ongoing interaction with Michael and his organization. It's pretty cool. But um, I just made a list of questions. I asked him about his books and what made him write that first book and what was it like to send that first book to the publisher and, you know, all those questions. And I just really focused on what would I want to be asked and what are maybe some of the things that he has been asked on a thousand interviews. And we still, what kind of advice are you getting from these people? What are some of the most interesting things that you've heard so far? Oh, I'm getting some really great stuff. Now, I will tell you that uh, I, I'm not trying to get clients. I mean, I'm in business. I own a marketing firm. Uh, and I'm not trying to get business. This really is just a personal thing that is separate from my business. But I've already got a client out of it. So that's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Which was kind, that wasn't kind of intense. shocking. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, so not at all, not at all. What are some of the what are some of the lessons or some of the most interesting things that you're hearing from the, the two that you've you've interviewed so far? Well, you know, one I'll tell you what the thing that sticks out the most to me about Michael Gerber, for example. Now he has written one of the three or four best-selling business books in history. You know, the E Myth is I can't remember yes. either three or four on the list of best-selling business books ever, and. He would tell you that he is not a business guy. He does not read business books. He doesn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about the subject, <laughs> except as relates to his clients and the things that he does. And when he's reading, he's reading about art and history and religion, and he's a deep, deep, deep thinker, which just fascinates me that he has this whole other life that you and I would ever think. I mean, you know, for myself, Kelly, I would be thinking – that, oh, he's obviously theorizing about business all day, every day. And, and, in fact, no, he really is spending very little time doing that. This is a very small portion of his life, but obviously a very successful and meaningful portion of his life. Right. Now, so so does he draw on his the lessons uh, that he learns in other parts of his life and apply those to business? Because, as you said, he's had several best-selling books. And he's got to be yeah. thinking about business somewhere along the line. So where does his inspiration come from for those books or his, his experience? Yeah, well, you know, that was a kind of an interesting piece that, um, you know, he talked to me about, and he's written about it too, but he talked about his very first client where he didn't have a job and he didn't have something he was doing. And a relative of his said, "I need, why don't, you're smart, Michael. Why don't you talk to my friend who is having trouble with his business, and he was some kind of contractor. And he said, why don't you talk to my friend and see if you can figure out how to help his business. And Michael said, well, I don't know anything about business, and I don't know anything about his business. But sure, I'll talk to him. i got, you know, a couple hours still. And so he sat down with him, and just drawing from his own life experience, he really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, used the lessons that he'd learned about living his life and trying to be a good person and trying to, 
you know, the, law, the kind of the laws and rules of self-improvement, and he tried to apply those to business. And that's really what all of his books talk about. You know, the, his core idea, his core revolutionary idea is that if you're in business, you should, shouldn't be spending all of your time um, doing the business. You should be spending your time as much as possible building the business. And that was his revolutionary idea, and that just came from his life. Yeah, and, and basically the business doesn't own you, and he's, he's an advocate of put processes in place so that if you get hit by a bus or something happens that you cannot be there daily, that the processes are there and the business exists as a separate entity from you. And so often business yeah. owners get caught in that trap of the business doesn't function unless the business owner is there with their hands on everything, you know, their, their fingers in the dirt, so to speak, and so right. he, his process advocates getting your business into the kind of shape where you don't have to be there every day. If you want to sell it, if you, for whatever circumstances, uh, don't allow you to be there, business doesn't collapse. Right. Well, and Kelly, you and I, as business people, think about that as a, well, yeah, sure, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but he was really the first person to espouse that idea in a mass way. It came out of his head and he was the first person to say it and it really was a revolutionary idea that changed the way many, many people um, view their businesses. He was telling me he has met with a couple of these ministers who have the mega churches with, you know, 20,000 people who go to them. And he said, you know, it's amazing how many, like Rick Warren is one of those who I think mm -hmm. has the largest church in America. And Rick Warren said, I built my church on your book, 100%. I built my church on your book. And he said, Sean, you'd be shocked how many ministers in the country who run these massive churches built their church on my book. Really? Yeah. More yeah, than yeah. one. And it's just those principles. Yeah, those principles yeah. of working on your business. They're working on their church and figuring out how to build something that can exist whether they're there or not. Okay, so you've, you've gotten to... And you're starting to see that some of these folks hang out together or have relationships. So yeah. whenever you get one person, then you're warmed up for perhaps the next person. And eventually, you're hoping to get through all 60. And you said earlier that you're going to write a book based on this. What's your plan for that book? Well, really, that's going to develop as, as, as I go. But, I, you know, I would see a 61-chapter or a 62-chapter book where each chapter talks about – uh, what I learned from each person and what the experience was, you know, it was very different. So on the, on the one hand, you've got, I had a phone call, which was in some ways for me a life-changing phone call with Michael Gerber. And then mm -hmm. for Keith Ferrazzi, um, I flew to Los Angeles. He said, well, sure, I'll meet sure. you. Why don't, I have a brunch every Saturday. Why don't you fly and join me for brunch? And so I did. And so fun. explaining that whole thing. Oh, yeah, it was so fun. You would have just loved it, Kelly, I swear. <laughs> So was, was it one-on-one, -on -one or, or did he have other people who joined him for this brunch each week? Well, it was interesting. Um, I had no idea what it was going to be. So I didn't know if there were going to be five people there or 50 people there. As it turned out, there were a total of 18, counting me and counting Keith. And But then, you know, he ended up, uh, we had a talk, and he asked me about what I did, and I kind of explained it. And so he ended up spending, in fact, he made the woman who was sitting next to me get up so that he could sit next to me, and then he made the two people sitting across from us get up so the two of the staff people could, could get there. 
And um, then most of the brunch we spent with Keith and I in conversation. So I kind of monopolized the time for probably 70% of the brunch was really just the two of us talking. And it was just, it was just fantastic. But he does this every Saturday. The woman that he made move that I had a very nice talk with for, you know, 15 minutes or so until he made her move, she works at Sony Television. And so I talked to her about what she does, and she works on the show Breaking Bad and on the new James Spader show that's getting ready to come on TV. So, And all the people who were there were kind of like that. They were these fascinating people with really cool jobs and really cool lives. It was just a great time. So you're not the type of person that comes up with an idea and then just lets it sit. I mean, all of us, and I talk to people every day that have ideas, and that's all they ever get the is ideas. They're, they're sitting on a paper. They're sitting in a right. computer file. Maybe you don't even make it that far. Maybe you don't even make it out of someone's head and you just dismiss right. it or you you make up excuses for not falling I'm too busy or whatever it is but That's you right. did not do that you I, I think there's a lesson in that for all of us that no matter how daunting or how sloppy the goal is that you can actually carry it out I mean, how many of us who are listening haven't had those kinds of aspirations to you, you always hear that question about if you could have a dinner party and invite Four famous, who would they, who would they be? I mean, there's very that question, but you see it. And, and people name who they think, and then they think, yeah, but you know, that's just to answer your question, it would never happen. And similar circumstance here, you actually went after it. It's like, I can do this. They'll talk to me, not all of them, but some of them will. And my, what I could learn from this, and then what I can share with other people with this. And I think there's a very powerful lesson there for all of us as business owners that no matter how difficult it may seem or how impossible it may seem to go after something with your business that it, it, if you put the effort behind it, you may not get exactly where you planned, but if you don't start that execution and you, it just remains an idea, you'll never get there and you'll never know whether or not it was something that was attainable. So I applaud you for your your drive and your tenacity, you know, to keep after this. You said you got a lot of no's. As business owners, we get a lot of no's. Uh, but, but you're somebody who's done a lot of things, actually, that are that are a little bit different. And I, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about it. Uh, just recently, within the last five years, you rode your bicycle from St. Joseph, Missouri to New York, New York. So as I said, right. these kinds of things, these kind of quests aren't new to you. Uh, what what was the purpose of doing that? Was it just so that you could say you did it? Uh, why, did you, why did you decide oh, that it was going to be St. Joseph to New York? Yeah, Kelly, that was just, that was nuts. Well, at the time I decided to do that trip, I was living in St. Joe, St. Joseph, and that's in the northern, northwestern corner of, of Missouri. And I'll, I have MS, I have multiple sclerosis, and I've been, that was in 2007, I've been diagnosed four years earlier, and I really just, mm -hmm. you know, spent a lot of time thinking about what am I, what can I do now that I may not be able to do in two years or five years or ten years, and what would nobody, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little overweight, I'm not athletic, what can I do that nobody in the planet thinks I can do that I really don't have any right thinking I can do, and that kind of evolved into this bike ride that was about a 1,500 mile bike ride from St. Joe, Missouri to New York City, and so yeah, so I did that over a period of about 26 days, it was wonderful, and it was a total nightmare, I mean, it's, I've got stories about that, it was just, you know, there's so many times where I almost died on that trip, and you know, that was pre-Facebook, otherwise it would all be on Facebook somewhere, I fell one day directly in front of a car, and literally, it was inches from my head, and I really bruised up my hand, and I put up a picture.
picture on the on the blog of my hand with this horrible, horrible bruise like you see in the movie. And my mother mm-hmm. called me the next day, and she said, I will never look at your blog again. Why did you warn me not to look? <laughs> Again, a powerful lesson about setting those high goals and going after them and not dismissing them because you think that it's something you'll never be able to achieve. And then just real quickly uh, before we end here, you're in the midst of, in addition to trying to contact the 60 most interesting business people and meet with them, you are also training. You mentioned that you have multiple sclerosis and and you use a wheelchair part-time, and you're also training to wheel the Katy Trail across the state of Missouri. When are are you planning to do that? Well, a little bit overweight, Ellie, so I'm I'm being smart about it. I'm training. But yeah, in October of 2014, so just next year, so about a year from now, I'm going to go 206 miles. I'm going to go from Kansas City, close to where you are, do that in my manual wheelchair, and we'll have special wheels to do a trail, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's just going to be my arms going, and now I've been training, so already, when I first started, I could barely make it a mile, but now I do 9 to 12 miles twice a week I do right now, and so yeah, I'll be ready to do it. You've accomplished a lot of goals and a lot of other You also own, uh, you're a partner in a company, uh, an agency, and if anybody's interested in finding out more about your agency, and also I believe that you're blogging about the 60 most interesting people in business on the agency's blog, right? Yes, yes I am. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, where would, where would our listeners find that? Uh, it's Caledon Virtual, that's the name of the company, C-A-L-E-D-O-N-B-I-R-T-U-A-L.com, Caledon Virtual and yeah, I'd love to have people come take a look, comment on that blog. We use interesting things like that. Not everybody does, but I think we'll get a kick out of it. Yes, we hope stay in touch and keep us updated on the other people that you've been able to contact on your list and meet with because I think you're going to have some wonderful stories and we'd love to hear them. And for the rest of you who would like to find out more resources for growing your business, be sure to go to ithinkbigger.com. Check out the website, the articles, and the other resources there. Also, like us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, and on Twitter at ithinkbigger. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.